Yeah. I sing on runs sometimes. That's more to, acceptable, I think, than a public yeah. gym. Yeah, because nobody's around when I'm running. Let's discuss this on the podcast. And oh. also to check I'm at aerobic capacity. If I can sing, it means I'm in... Are we all recording or not? We are. I actually watched Pitch Perfect last night for the first time and it was quite good. <laughs> it's great, isn't okay, it? Okay, can we discuss that? Is it ex- bottle singing in the gym? Thoughts? Should we introduce the podcast very quickly? Yeah, go on, quickly introduce. We've skipped the intro. Hello and welcome back to the Not So Fit Couple podcast with your hosts, Lucy Halden. Oh, God, Benjamin Halden still trips me up that. You, we have literally been married for three months and Ben, Yeah, I have not people. been married for 20, for 30 years and fucking nine months. Yeah, but you really know me for six. I to know. be fair, a lot of people still do call me Davis. It's a strong name, that's Singing fine. in the gym. I don't hate that. I wouldn't. I sometimes do it. All. But I do it when I know it's under my breath, kind of. Like, you know where I'm sitting now? In between, as I walk through the, in the valley of death and... It's kind of a bit of a... I bob. No, it's not singing, though, is it? I definitely, like, move my head. You're bobber. And, like, wiggle a little bit and, like, get into the song. But no no actual lyrics leave my mouth. I, d- I do have a a bit of admiration for those people because it's just, like, they're at that point, they really don't give a shit. They're at the, the point... I, I do don't give... You know, some people are... Sorry. Really conscious in gyms. You're, when you're singing the, the, your lungs out, you're at that part in life where you just don't give a shit. Well, that's just... Com- pure some, confidence. Why have you heard people like actually singing, like loud singing? This girl, well, because there's yeah. a difference, isn't there? There's a difference between like, nah, nah. yeah, this, so, like in the gym today. It. This was what was it, Cal? It was full on, like, karaoke. if you want to be my lover, yeah, I, I couldn't do that. Actually, I was all half tempted to, to, to kind of tune in, you know, like do, the, they do the back yeah. and do that, yeah, yeah, let's go. Like, I, I'm, I'm quite confident, but I don't, but singing also isn't a strong point. I'm tone deaf, so I'd agree. it's not something that I would put myself to Any do. other scenarios in the gym where we've heard people singing or rapping? Mm. No. No? I saw one time I saw a, a fully grown man break down crying on the Smith machine. Oh, why? Uh, I think it was probably a large amount of testosterone and trying ah, okay. yeah. But yeah, he was like beyond big and just started crying like vi- and like shaking crying on the Smith machine. So I've definitely a- cried listening to music in the gym. Ooh, when really? I listen to Moana, <laughs> it makes me cry. Which one? What song? Um, how far I'll go. Like the main, the main song. It makes me cry. I could be having a great day in it, and it will bring up every emotion that I have. Sometimes I, I, I do that little thing, like I said, where I'm singing under my breath. Once I finish a really, really, really hard set, to the point where my brain has left planet Earth. I'm in euphoria. I have no energy left. My head's gone. Blood's gone. I, I don't quite have any perception of people around me anymore. I'm just in a different world, universe. You, you sometimes grunt. Do I'm, sometimes, If yeah. I accidentally grunt, I'm embarrassed. Yeah, because it's a bit different if I do it. <laughs> but I've, sometimes I've accidentally done it and I'm just like, oh, I wonder if anyone just heard that like noise I just made. <laughs> I wonder where that does come from because a lot of guys grunt. It's like, oh, <laughs> you never hear women grunt in the gym, do you? Not really. So, I mean, the, the more masculine that some women get from large amounts of testosterone the more they do start to grunt so maybe it's something to do with testosterone yeah i talk to myself in the gym a lot you talk to yourself everywhere though so i do i i think everyone talks to themselves you're mm. lying if people don't talk to themselves i don't talk to myself Kyle, do you talk I'm to yourself big self-talker i i i have full-on conversations with myself like out loud i have arguments that's the big one that's I imagine what someone's gonna say to you. no 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 like, like i imagine what someone's going to say to me and i say well if I, you say that then actually oh yeah. yeah oh yeah scenarios oh, and i win oh. every one <laughs> 
course you do. Yeah, no, I do do that. I talk to myself all the time. Do you guys, you know, when you've got a song on and like you're waiting for the drop, do you ever sit there a bit too long on an exercise ready to take your set? Absolutely. Wait for it, yeah. Yeah, but there's nothing better than hitting that set. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to put the song on the exact right point. It, it's worth the other way around, though, where the drop's coming in, oh, you're rushing to get straps yeah, on, or you miss like, it. shit, shit, got to wait again. And then you skip back 30 seconds, it's yeah. a bit... Yeah, it's Too far, yeah. yeah. It's fucking, set's gone. I go, I'm going to pack up and go home. Yeah. Over a song. Mm. I don't get the people who go in and listen to, like, morbid Drake albums. I do that. What? I can do that. I yeah. Can't, I can't leg press I can fucking five hundred pounds. Like, Hold on, come on. What? Depends what kind of mood you're in. I think sometimes if you're just like going through the motions, you could do that. My playlist that I is most listened to is is time to get Mazzy. Is it? Yeah. That's yeah. Do you want to tell you what songs are on it? Absolutely not. Well, people want to know. I just heard people shouting, "Ben, tell us what's on it." So I'm going to tell people. They're all listeners now. They've got this new thing on Spotify where you can shout down the mic. <laughs> <laughs> Only I can hear it though. <laughs> You're embarrassing. Ben's in, so, it. Ben's in an odd mood today, time guys. Time to get Mazzy. Oh, here we go. Wireless. Because he just said, Cal, you, Cal, me and Cal know when Ben's in mood. one of these moods where he's just so, he's a bit erratic. He's a bit like. Uh, last man standing. That's one of them. Un, untravel, untraveled road. Cal like this one right there. Who are, like, um, who cares? Cal cares. <laughs> no, if you're listening and you care, like, don't. I'm giving you banging playlists here. Cal, like this one. I'm bored. Oh, what a word. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll pause. So if you need, uh, this isn't just a guy thing, by the way. I have female lifters who mess me all the time. Ma- t- time to get Mazzy's playlist. If you're going in banging legs... Put that on and tell me you don't put th- things into another universe. Guaranteed. The link is in the bio, guys, yeah. if you want to listen to that. Good Lord. I mean, we were on this conversation before the podcast started because I yeah. say I sometimes sing out loud when I run, so I know I'm running at an easy pace. Yeah, it's a good thing. That's actually really clever because it, that is like an aerobic easy pace if you can hold a conversation. I run by myself, so I have no one to talk to. The, the only thing with that, though, is it's supposed to imagine that you could hold conversation because... What sometimes happens is if you do have conversation whilst running or in your circumstances singing, that raises your heart rate. Yeah, it does because you're blowing yeah. out air. <laughs> but I don't listen to anything when I run anymore. Long gone. Three or four months. Don't need it. Don't need it. No, genuinely, if you run without headphones, don't like it. life becomes better. Do not like it. I, I think it. I think you should try it. I also like to multitask because I can get running and listen to a podcast, absorb information and get myself motivated. So... Yeah, I think podcast is definitely slightly better. I think what I the issue with running, just, you end up running at the pace. Tell people to stop listening to the podcast while they're running. Oh yeah, listen to our podcast yeah. whilst you're running, but don't listen to any any other podcast mm. or any other music. It doesn't work the same. The thing with music though, you do run to the pace. Fuck me, if I'm on an easy run and a banging song comes on, I'm sprinting. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the it's tempo like playlist in. on Spotify? So you can get for running. Yeah, so you yeah. find all yeah, the foot strikers and yeah. then you run at that. Time. Is it Nike do one of those as well? Yes, yeah, it is, yeah. That is very clever, but no, I'm a no headphones gal now through and through it's great times i love it and if you're wanting to i don't know get into a bit of running do more running keep your habits in check but make better daily choices over the next 56 days well 
The enrollment is now open for Winter 56. Choose your strong. That was a plug and a half, that one. Mm-hmm. Well done. That was almost like we'd paused and we'd without like people a about it? in. The Winter 56 challenge is an eight-week challenge on my coach. And the way we've done this challenge and the reason we've done it where we have because it ends on the 17th of December, starts on the 23rd of October, is because throughout the winter periods and it goes into the festive time of year, you feel a little bit weird, you feel a little bit shit, you don't feel that motivated, your accountability's out the window, but you actually want to be all those things. And it gets harder because you've got social occasions, you've got this, you might feel a bit lazy. And that is literally what the 56 days is all about. It's about having routines, staying on track, training hard, enjoying it, with all the good stuff in life, going yeah. out, socializing, and it's doing doing both of them together. So we've got over 20 programs on my coach. We've already got over a thousand people who've signed up, who've joined, who are welcomed on the 56, uh, Wins 56 Challenge. Yeah. So be a part of it. It's, it's about making 56 days count. 56 days of choices that could change your life. So if you're looking at your life at the moment thinking, I don't like my morning routine, uh, I keep going to bed late, my screen time's through the roof, I don't like the things that I'm having for breakfast or lunch, they're making me feel lethargic and slow, I keep comparing my, myself to other people and I feel like I'm falling behind in life, I'm drinking too much caffeine, I don't like the amount of alcohol that I'm drinking at the weekend. Uh, making poor choices when it comes to my relationships, my job, just that you feel like you're a bit stuck and you need to change the habits that you've ingrained into your life over 2023. 56, the, the, the Winter 56 Challenge is a way that you can change the end of the year around to set up for a better 2024. And one of the things that we've introduced for this challenge is three teams. And there, the three teams are... Team Fat Loss, Team Endurance, and Team Strength. And the reason we've done this is because we do have a multitude of different programs on my coach. Obviously, you get the check-ins, you get macro plans, you get the whole lot, but the programs is a really important part of it. And we've put these programs into three different categories. So you can kind of choose your team. It's a little bit more competitive. You can choose who you want to be your buddy, who you want support from in the group. And it's a really just great vibe all around for this challenge. And it adds that little bit more support. So for example, like the endurance ones, you've got the high rocks, you've got the running and lifting programs galore. For the fat loss, you've got the sexy and strong. You've got the train with me programs, the home programs, strength you've got the 531 you've got ben's functional bodybuilding yeah you get drift fed the program for eight weeks you'll get a calorie macro plan hundreds of different workouts the programs that add straight to your calendar uh 24 7 private facebook group which is the bread and butter of the my coach community live q a's every week and of course myself and lucy and if you use the code winter 50 you'll get 50 percent off mm-hmm. so hit the link below indeed but today's episode lucy's first marathon no, it's not a first official marathon because you've ran one hungover with Steph. Um, that was 45. That was an ultra. Yeah. Well, you've done marathons before, just not in yeah. an, an event setting. Mm-hmm. So um, this week's episode is going to be diving and delving into that. Lovely. F- firstly, I know a lot of people, I think, messaging compared it to um, the, the ultra. How, di- how different was it from doing an ultra marathon? I think a lot of people's perceptions looking in is like, oh... You've done an ultra before, so you'll just easily smash out the marathon. I would have easily smashed out that marathon if I was running at the ultra pace. <laughs> I really, I was going to kind of use that, that I've ran 100k, which is like double a marathon plus more as like my arsenal. And <laughs> it got really hard. The marathon was so much harder. I feel better now. It's like two or three days after. And I didn't with the 100k, but that's like post, that's different. Yeah. During... 
the marathon was so much worse. It it was honestly the hardest and most humbling experience of my life. <laughs> Why? It was just the pace that I was running at. I think I had quite high expectations on myself to hit a faster pace. So if you're running, the overall pace was like 441 or 442. The ultra was seven minutes 30. That is vastly different. Like it, it, was, it was so different. So your joints are hurting, your hips are hurting with the ultra. But when I say I literally couldn't move with the marathon in that second half, I couldn't move. I, I honestly don't know what happened. And you get, you're getting the stoppages and the breaks and the ultra where you go to the aid mm. stations, you're stopping for food. Um, there's a reason why they say that the marathon's the hardest race distance in the world, not only to compete in, but to prepare for as well. And obviously experience that as well at the at the weekend. Yeah, the, the Chester Marathon course, I didn't really look into it at all in terms of the elevation. I just thought Chester Marathon, but it actually goes into Wales. So it's Chester and Wales. It's the only marathon in the world that covers two countries. It is. He said that, didn't he, mm -hmm. on the thing before we set off? And I thought, oh, that's a fun fact. Holy fuck, that second half was like, it was just really hilly. Well, we're jumping ahead here. Sorry. It's hard. So, yeah, that was another question. How are you feeling today? Post I feel marathon. great. Do you? Apart from the feet. Oh, the toes are minging. Can we pop a photo up? It's fucking disgusting. I don't think we should do that. Yeah, I was about to say, do we want to do that? I don't think um, we should do that. We'll, we'll actually, I don't want to. I'll no. blow them out. I'll blow them out. Let's put them on the Instagram clip. You can sell them for, for fetish fans. No one will buy them, to be fair. My... Feet. Oh, it's fucking disgusting. She's been leaking all over the house. Anywhere, just look, there's leakage all over the house. Basically, what had happened is with the toe situation, I race in the Alpha Flies and you don't train in them. They're a racing shoe. They're a fast shoe. They're a, they're a, they're a narrow shoe. I already have bad toes. I already have bad toenails. One was already fallen off. One had like a small blood blister and didn't really have a toenail. I finished this marathon and Steph took my sock off and it's, you've never seen anything like it. It was just like blue, but like but like, like a blood blister. And now it's infected. And I've had to get a special cream yeah. on the way. And every time I walk, it bursts. It's actually awful. So I can't run this week. No, I did a 10K yesterday. Shouldn't have. Um, I feel great. Like physically, I feel absolutely fine. I trained this morning up in a ward. Like I feel really good. What's your whoop saying? I whoop today actually isn't good. I was on green yesterday and now I'm on red. I don't know why that is. I don't. Sometimes my whoops, whoops heart weird. And I was really speaking off. to someone. I think it was one of the my coach members before the marathon who was saying the whoops been shit. And this is why I was say, saying to them. Look, guys. Yeah. I'm back in red today. Som I feel green. Sometimes you got to take the whoop thing with like a pinch of salt, like use mm. it as a data point and also use RPA because that's like your intrinsic feelings as well. Like how you feel internally about something because you could look at be thinking, wow, I feel great for this run today. You look at whoop and it's like telling you a pile of shit. Then you automatically view yourself as being run down and tired. So you almost talk yourself into it. But as soon as I got up this morning, I said to you, I had an absolute terrible sleep. And my resting heart rate was like 10 to 12 beats above what it usually That's is. It. Yeah, terrible sleep. So I'm not sleeping great, but all in all, I feel fantastic. So what was your time for the Chester Marathon? Three hours, 19, zero, two. And what were you aiming for? <laughs> Well, I didn't, the pace that I trained for the past six months was like a three hour 12. And I did not at all do that. And I should have done that. And that's why it's, it's really hard pill to swallow. But I don't think on that course, I physically would have been able to. 
I think there's a couple of things and we'll talk about it today is I think obviously, yeah, there's a couple of variables that play into it that you didn't take into consideration is the elevation is the the, it was very hot. The program that you put together, the, the fact that you can turn off on some days and not get it right. Uh, the fact that you went out too quick. Yeah, but I think I need to talk about that. I think the other good thing is I was just to admit that sometimes things don't go to plan. And also, like, you've had a lot of experiences where you've won. There's a lot of t- there's a lot of takeaways from losing. There's often more takeaways from taking the loss than always succeeding. Yeah, and it also, it's not like I'm disappointed with the time. Like, sub-320 for your first marathon is fantastic on a non-flat course. Like, I'm really, really happy. But I have done runs up to 30K at, like, 4.30 pace, and I've been fine. So my training block was so good, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. My you training were, you're in was condition, yeah. phenomenal. And then when I was on like taper week, I kept saying to Ben, I was like, I don't feel that. Like, I just feel heavy. Like my legs feel really heavy. We were like, it's fine. It'll change on race day. I woke up on race day and I said to Grant, I was like, I was like, my legs feel really heavy. I don't think that was the thing though, because like, again, we're, we're, we're jumping ahead, but on some of the race you were walking, no, I know because of my legs. Yeah, no, and but also because of the elevation. Like, yeah, if if you'd done the London Marathon, there's no part of it you would have walked because the elevation never gets to the point where you need to walk. So that's what I'm saying about comparing courses. It's it's um I think if you'd gone out and done the London Marathon, it's you would have got away quicker time. I think when you're doing like a rural course like that, where it's not just a city course, it takes a lot of elevation. Elevation kills people, and they don't realize how much you can that's why i'm saying a lot of people dm me which i didn't tell you about saying how difficult the course is yeah i think i think what had happened is i was quite overly ambitious and when i say when i started running i was like fine i feel i feel great i went out like an absolute animal i pb'd a half marathon 42 minute 10k 20 minute 5k like i just went out so fast and i thought i was fine because there was a guy next to me called Paul and Paul had done Race to the Stones and we chatted for oh, really? the whole, yeah, we chatted the for the same, whole the first. same uh, year that you'd done yours? No, he'd done oh. it a different year. Um, we chatted for the, fo- the whole first half. So I was like, I must feel good because I can hold conversation. Like it was a 4.22 pace. I was like, why does this feel so good? I literally hit 27K and my whole left leg just like cramped. Like it, I had, it felt like an electric shock from like my hip. Bear in mind, I've never had cramp when I've ran. Didn't get cramp on 100K. Didn't have cramp on a single training one. So it wasn't even something that I prepared for. So I stopped and stood still and like tried to shake off, which you don't do with cramp. You need to stretch it. I was like, I don't have time to stretch it. And then from 28K to the finish, I was in an absolute hole. I, so the so the fact I did 319, I'm fucking buzzing. It's like 441 unbe- pace. Unbelievable time, by the way, 319. Um, unbelievable. But the second half of the the course is hilly and I just didn't, I didn't anticipate it. And when I got this cramp and it wouldn't go, if you've ever ran with cramp, you know how painful it is. So I, I then had all my gels, I had all my salt and I ran out of like nutrition. So I was a little bit like, oh my, because I didn't know how to deal with cramp because it's not something. So I don't think I had enough salts like the day before, even though I had like a 2000 milligrams the cramp, yeah, the cramp didn't, that's what made it so hard. And then to get through that, that last 5K, bear in mind, for 
at K41, it was just an uphill, like, walk. Like, people would just have to walk up this hill. I only started running because I saw Jed and Liv. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have to run because I was I was in so... I was in agony. Like, the, everything just went. I, I've never... So that's why I feel disappointed because I'm like, fuck me, I walked. Like, to me, I'm like, what? I didn't even do that on any training run, nothing. Race day... I like at some points I was crouched down on the floor, head in my hands, like fuck. Like I'm actually I'm gonna That's I'm what, gonna not finish. The beautiful thing about London is that like because when my calf went, I was like walking for I don't know, maybe thirty seconds. And then because there's so many people around, I'm like I'm going into my own head, like, don't be a little bitch. Mm. All these people are seeing you walking, Ben. Fucking get running. And yeah. that's the thing about London is that you have that accountability that there's people watching you all the time. So the, the minimum that you want to do is not walk any of it. For me, anyway, personally, that's my... Well, that's the only thing with Chester. Myself. From about 28k to, I'd say, 38k. So for 10k, there is no one. There's the marshals. You're on country roads. You're coming back through Wales. It's hilly. And there's no one. I mean, every runner was so nice because there was a lot of people who were, like, walking on the floor at the, in this period... And if I started running when I was running, you tap someone on the back who's walking. If I was really struggling, they tap me. So I'm thinking if I had to walk a bit in this one, I can't wait to do a flat marathon. Oh, yeah. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying there's anything wrong with walking, by the way. There's loads of people who walk in marathons. I never judge people. That's just the, the judgment and pressure that I put on, on myself. Oh, no. But as in, I shouldn't have been walking. That's not, that acceptable. never even, that's not acceptable for me. That never even crossed my mind. But with these hills, I was like, I'm going to have to walk the hills to be able to run it. Like, to be able to finish this thing, I need to, I need to, bear in mind, I didn't walk up the whole hill. It was kind of walk for five seconds, run as far as you can. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we, we often talk about setting manageable goals. I think maybe what we, you did was compare times to like people who'd run a, a London marathon or different marathons, not, yeah. not the course times. You've, you've, you've kind of... Oh, yeah, I came 12th in my age. What I'm talking about is you've, you've looked at a marathon universally and not looked oh, yeah. at it specifically to courses. It's like when you compare it to the F1, people aren't going to, oh, I'll get the same time that I got in the Belgian Grand Prix in the... Um, Monaco. Monaco Grand Prix, thank you, Carl, mm. which is a lot different technical course with different terrains, et cetera, et cetera, hardly any overtaken, a lot of build-up in the race. And that's the thing I'm talking about with the course is that different courses are going to yeah, and different results no matter what runners mm. running it i also didn't and this is on me i i trained for this marathon for six seven months flat yeah i didn't do a single hill because <laughs> i didn't even think i didn't even think the elevation was a lot and maybe if i'd done a few more hills might have been a little bit or i would have coped with the crap I, I think the cramp just threw me off completely but it's the best learning curve i've ever had like, if I can push out that time feeling like I did, I can't wait to just, like, do more marathons. I think they're such a rewarding run and, a, like, a rewarding thing to do. I can't wait to do more. I mean, Lanzarote is double the elevation of Chester, so that's going to be awful. That's the beauty of doing any fair, though, is that you get all the mistakes out the way. You, you, you learn about things you experience cramp for the first time you experience getting food salt water wrong you experience comparing yourself time to other times you experience where your abilities are there's lots of things that you then take away into the next training block that you apply to it and you get a bit better because at the end of the day your first one's always 
generally going to be your worst attempt at anything. Mm. And then everything after that, you'd hope, would get better because you learn the lessons and you apply them to your training. I just don't know why I went out so fast. Excited, don't you? It's a big big day. You've got people around you. You want to do well. It's good energy. And that's why a lot of people, I, I even saw on your WhatsApp messages, there was one from Jake, who's one of the coaches yeah. on the micro chat. Don't go out too quick. I'd already set off. Yeah, she'd already gone. I really She's needed that message. It. He said something and he was like, um, respect the marathon distance. But he'd sent that and I'd already set off and I didn't have my phone on me. Yeah, I just I just went out like an absolute animal. I got a PB for half marathon though, so. <laughs> so the build up to it, explain um, what your training was like. What you've been doing the last few months. So I think I messed up a tiny bit with the training. What what were you doing? How many weeks was it? How many months were it? What how many times a week? How many times a week were you running? What were the runs looking like? Well, so this was the thing. I started training for London in January. And then in February, I got injured and didn't run till April. But then I just kind of carried on the London marathon prep and extended it. And I don't think that was a good thing to do. I think I should have had a little bit more of a break, like April, May, and then train June, July, August, September, October. Because yeah. it ended up being like a five, six, seven month thing where... In the middle, I was like, I really, I'm not enjoying this. I want to get it over with. I'm not really enjoying the training. So I tried to scrap that plan and then did myself like an eight-week plan, so a two-month plan when I was out of Chester. And mm-hmm. it worked really well. Three runs a week, one easy aerobic run on a Tuesday, intervals and tempo on a Thursday, and then Saturday or Sunday, a long run. Mm-hmm. And my training was really good. I had some really, really strong, solid... Training runs, I was running at like a set pace of the time that I probably should have held for the whole marathon. I was 10 seconds off that on the actual race day, which isn't horrendous. I think I was quite ambitious with the time that I wanted to hit yeah. anyway. But I'd rather be ambitious and not hit it and know that I can go again. Um, obviously, I, did, I was doing five lifting sessions, high roxing alongside of it. And I'm glad I, I did that. I also didn't lose weight, which is actually quite did a Did you big... weigh yourself before and after? yeah. And it's not changed. 63 kilos now when I was 63 kilos March, February. That's a funny thing because a lot of of people think that they will lose weight doing a marathon. Mm. And that's, again, the perception in our industry is that, sorry, if I run, I'm going to lose muscle or I'm going to lose a lot of weight doing marathon training. You just need to eat so much food. Like you just need to eat more food. And if you're weight training as well... I don't think necessarily you'll build and build and build muscle. If your goal is to solely build muscle, I wouldn't be running 60, 70K a week as well to build. But you can, if you've already got muscle on you, you can absolutely maintain it. I do think you can do that through nutrition and training hard and doing different styles of training. I think high rock training is also great because it's very functional. You're doing loads of different stuff. Because when I was running, you know that thing where it's like, oh, you don't look like a runner? <laughs> I did not. I did not look like anyone around me because I went off in the 315 wave and they all did look like runners. But when I was running around, there was a guy who was like, Lee Davis fit, you're jacked. And I thought, I was really struggling. And he was, and I was thinking, this is literally why I do what I do. And that, that kind of spared me on a bit because I thought, yes, great, I am. And this is hard and that's fine. That's the thing I like that you don't see from people's times and numbers is that you don't see people's compositions. I think the one thing that I always find super rewarding or that I am very admirable of is people who are 
bigger uh, or holding a lot of muscle tissue and doing the, the running and doing the times and doing the marathons because it is, it is a lot harder. For example, even uh, looking at like some of the elite runners, most of them who people do well at marathons are really slim and athletic. You don't get that many big people getting low times. I mean, you know, Nick Bear is one of the anomalies who's going for 245 marathon, I think. He's done 250. In uh, a couple of months, I think. And he looks huge at the moment. And I have a lot of respect for people like that because people don't understand how difficult it is to carry that much tissue and run at that pace. It's just the body's not meant to do it. Mm. So uh, there's a guy who finished, I think, around three-hour mark. And I was saying to Carl before, he looked like a rugby prop. And I was like, fair fucking play. Mm. You've got to have an engine on you to carry that much weight for that long at that pace. And um, I have a lot of admiration for people, which is why we're all about it and getting people who are in the community who are doing some lifting, getting into running as well. So go you. Luce, can you let us know what like the night before the marathon was for you and like tips you give to any runners who have got a marathon coming up and what they can do to prepare themselves? So definitely with a marathon. Go to a wedding party. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... My whole month running up to it wasn't wouldn't be ideal. I was away for like three weeks. I was running in different countries. I was doing ridiculous steps. So my actual run up was terrible, and I was a bit panicky, wasn't I? And it was all, I was a bit like stressed in the run up because I was like, I've been, I'm, I'm, I'm not even. But that aside, when you're like a week out, the week before you want to have done like your last long run, um, that for me was like a sixteen, seventeen k. You can kind of go off feel, but I would do like anywhere from 15 to 18K. And then the week of you have a taper week and you should taper down really. So you are feeling fresh on marathon day. And this just means reducing the volume. So reducing the volume of all your runs and reducing your leg sessions. If you run and lift, I wouldn't do any leg sessions that week. And I did one upper body session. I had one rest day in the week, um, pretty similar to taper that i did for my 100k but my 100k one was two weeks how hard do you go in the weight sessions not hard you're just kind of going off feel you're not going heavy you're not looking to break pbs um i wouldn't stress too much about it but like i said to ben i knew in this taper week i did feel a little bit weird um i was carb loading and nutritionally and all that i felt fine but i just had these weird niggles and again really common in taper but like you, were you measuring upper, carbs, grams of carbs, body weight? No, were you measuring calories? What were you doing? I wasn't measuring. I was just going off experience and what I eat usually. Do you think that could have been an issue? No, I think my... But, but you're my, saying what you did usually, you've never done a marathon before, so you didn't have any experience there? No, my my food intake was absolutely fine. Um, and I was eating a lot of carbs. I'm just playing devil's meal. advocate here, by the way. Yeah, no. Um, every meal I had carbs. The run-up nutrition was really good. The day before, I had a really bad niggle in my upper back. And I always speak about it on my YouTube vlog saying the back's gone again because I have a weird... When I breathe, I get a pain in my back. <laughs> I was getting staff to rub this stuff on. I was rolling it. I was massaging it. I was like, oh, my God, this doesn't feel that good. Woke up and it actually felt fine. Um, so you tend to have these niggles and you feel a little bit weird. But then on race day, you should feel super fresh. You should feel really good. You should feel relaxed and calm and ready. Um, but definitely with the marathon, the thing that I've learned is don't go out like an absolute savage and try and PB the first half. Um, it's something that I'm definitely taking to all the other marathons that I'll do is you don't need to go out like you're only doing a half marathon. <laughs> yeah, it's good that you can identify all those little things. Mm, I knew straight away. 
put into place. Um, so what, what on nutrition, what were you doing nutritionally over the past few months and how has that maybe changed towards the race? So my, I don't track calories. I don't count calories. Um, and I haven't since the ultra really, I don't, I don't feel the need to, I don't really like tracking calories. If you had to guesstimate, would you think you'd be able to? What I was on? Yeah, I think so. In the past two months, probably not beforehand. I, I wouldn't really know what I was on. Like maybe two eight to three max. Mm-hmm. Um, What's the, What was a normal day looking like? So normal day and it changed a little bit in the last month. So I, ha- I used to have quite a lot of granola and you guys know that fuck me when I run I literally shit myself I don't know what's wrong with me um so I had to start cutting out fiber because this I I believe this was the root cause because there was no other solution well sorry on that that's why a lot of the new gels that they're bringing out they try to like keep fiber out of them as much as possible yeah Yeah. get the fiber out the gel like honestly um so I cut out granola, so I'd have a big bowl of oats in the morning with loads of stuff in, with protein, with nuts, almond butter, that kind of vibe. And then I had like a, some sort of snacky snack, like a, I don't know, any like bar kind of thing, or just like loads of nuts. I've got a thing for nuts at the moment. And then, I don't know, walnuts, fuck me, they're so walnuts, nice. Walnuts, not a nice nut. And then... Can we just quickly... Yeah, discuss walnuts. Yeah, the what, fucking... what did you say earlier, Luz? Walnuts, I think, when you're eating them, taste like a sweet, like a caramel. No. Like candy. Like candy. Yeah, nonsense. I actually believe that. And pecans. I think it tastes like a cornflake that's been left down your nan's sofa for like three weeks and you're taken out. It does It's like gone mouldy and then you eat it and it's weird texture. Well, nuts. Well, we know what the Q&A is going to be on this episode, guys. Does uh, <laughs> a walnut taste as good as sweet? Yeah. All, all, and also drop into the YouTube comments, what is your favourite type of nut? I do like a pecan. Don't say fucking disgusting things. I like a pecan. It'll be banned from the YouTube channel. Do you know what is really good? The ones that are like honey roasted, honey yeah, roasted pecans. Yeah. Is that not just because honey's great though? Yeah. You're not, you kind of deflect yeah, the nut, away from them. The nut's enough. kind of like all sugary and sweet I, as well. I really like pistachios with a super salty. Yeah. They're, just yeah. a, they're just a real pain in the off. I mean, that's kind of a good thing. You have to almost work a little bit to get into them as well. Okay. Take the shell off. Yeah. Lunch. Go. Rice, tuna, a whole avocado I started having, uh, tomato, spring onion, soy sauce. So kind of like a poke bowl. It would be like a usual lunch. Any or sauce? Soy sauce. Soy sauce. Or two bagels. So like two whole bagels, so four cut up. Two with cheese, two with nut butter. Excessive, but just tasty. Again. More so if I'm, like, I'm just busy. Poor choice of bagels. Cinnamon raisin, way better. Yeah. And then... What, you usually hate cinnamon raisin bagels? No, I actually had one the other day with cheese. It was they nice. They are great, aren't they? Yeah. Sorry, you had a cinnamon raisin bagel yeah. with Chesnick. Yeah, but, I mean, that's a bit strange. But the reason I had it with Chesnick is because... What do you mean Chesnick is cheese? Cal said Chesnick. Uh, I said Cal it because Lucy Halden says it every single day. I, uh, I did the, you a treat the... as well last week, didn't I? So usually <laughs> we get the peasant cheese. Uh, ben, can you go to the shop and get me cheese? She says it as I'm in Waitrose. So there's no, there's no peasant cheese in Waitrose. Is there? No. It's fucking counter cheese only. It was not nice. stupid, are you? What did you get? It was delicious. Yeah, like it was like an, it was the one in like cheddar. a waxed. Yeah. So is there anything in wax? It's gonna be bougie. Yeah. Extra bougie mature. bitch. Um. So that would be lunch, and then like a banana or something. Only if I'm like really hungry, and then dinner would either be pasta with barbecue chicken pasta. makes you faster. There you go. With barbecue chicken. 
pesto or a lot of cheese or tuna, something with pasta um, or a massive like chicken, avocado kind of salad-y, hummus-y thing. And then granola. Yeah. I think the conversation that we had about your nutrition was that it was quite low in protein throughout. Yeah, really low in protein. I mean, I don't think I clocked onto it because I didn't actually lose any more. Like, I feel quite jacked at the moment. Do you know you say <laughs> so that? I, so, I didn't. Sorry I to interrupt. Is you feel quite jacked when you go to having a high protein. Because I've, I think I've neglected protein over probably the last two years and you don't even realize it until you mm. start adding it up into my fitness pal again because I'll use it every now and again to check. Since I've been doing keto, my protein is through the roof, obviously. And honest to God, I look wham. You do. I'd take videos and like, yeah. And I walked into the barbers the other day. Grant and Steph came around the weekend. I went somewhere else. I was on a Zoom call to someone from Gymshark the other day. Like, fucking hell, Ben, what have you been doing? You look massive. Like, steak. Yeah, just fucking a lot of red meat, a lot of eggs, a lot of chicken. Yeah, a lot of, lot of protein. It does make a difference to, I think, your density overall. Yeah, we had the thing, the conversation in Barcelona when we were watching Steph's Ironman. I was like, I actually don't eat a lot of protein. So that is something that I'm going to be changing. But then also I'm on a bulk. <laughs> I'm on a bulk. Um, I don't bulk and I don't cut. I don't do anything. But I need, I'm basically eating as much as humanly possible before I go to Nepal because you are renowned to losing a lot of weight when you're there. So yeah, my nutrition up to the marathon was great. The best thing that I did was the week off, I cut out all fiber. And on race day... I did not poo. And that is one of the best moments. There we go, it's the achievement. We should have got like a little golden head on a medal and give it to us at the end. <laughs> Honestly, because it was a worry of mine, wasn't it? I was I was really yeah, fixated on it because having run a stomach is no joke. But then I cut out all fibre. I was like really, really good. Yeah, it was a genuine concern for you. It was a genuine concern. Like I know we laugh and joke, but it was I was generally really worried. I mean... I probably could have stopped. It wouldn't have made a difference for this yeah, one anyway. What did you do on a couple of runs? Um, what do you mean? What did you do on a couple of runs? Shit myself. Yeah, there you go. Because how... Are we going do you know what actually the worst oh. thing is? How much are we sharing today? More, we've already shared. The worst thing is, it doesn't happen when I'm like far from home. You if should, I'm should, far from you home... You leave the toilet door open though, like to save yourself extra seconds when you get through the house. <laughs> Yeah, I do. I, I come downstairs sometimes in the morning, the toilet door just open and yeah, she goes for around. Do you know, do you know exactly what the panic why. is? Do you know what the panic is? It doesn't happen when I'm far from home. I'm like, I can hold this. Yeah, it kicks in. When I see our house. Yeah, I agree. So, Psychological 200 meters, I shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> not all the time. So this happened This happened twice. Our neighbors are thinking, who the fuck is that woman who just won, runs down the road <laughs> covered in shit every day? No, it's so. <laughs> this happened twice, awfully, in the ultra prep. Twice, okay? Once is back. Twice this happened. And I approached the house and I was like, I actually can't do anything. And then you have to get to the house. But as you're you're trying to cross the road and get your key out, Panic you're matters. literally shitting because it's so stressful. It actually is really stressful because you, you see the toilet and then you think in your head, well, it's already happened. So it's never... So that's why it's awful because it's like I'm literally home and then yeah. my body's like, well, you're home. And I'm like, you're yeah, fucking not, like you idiot. Yeah. You're not even on the toilet. And it's awful. So twice that happened, being well, open yeah. and honest in my ultra prep. Um, Honestly, in my, my, that there's a, a lot of stuff around running stomach and stuff. Yeah, and, I have that. Yeah. Bad times. Cut out fiver. 
I'm actually not going to introduce a lot of fiber back into my diet because I think that is one of the biggest. It's it's such a strange concept. I mean, don't get me wrong. Obviously, I I don't know jack shit in comparison to what the day is releasing on fiber and stuff. But people have been asking me about keto and if I've struggled to go to toilet because I have no fiber, like I'm just eating meat, meat and eggs. My digestive system has been better than it's ever been. What are you pulling that face for? He has some stinky poos. Yeah, but I, like, <laughs> I, don't have an, I don't have an issue with going to the toilet. I don't have an issue with like processing food. I don't have an issue with breaking down food. Like my stools have been fine. My stomach's been fine. My digestive system's been better than it's ever been. I don't what get bloated. Podcast yeah, it's turned into a gut health God. podcast. Um, <laughs> for slash feces,ville. People but, actually really appreciate that we do speak shame. about it and open because... If it has happened to you on a run, and you're lying if you've not nearly shit yourself on a run, because it's normal, like, maybe it's not as normal as happens, so my, my, my actual point of doing it, but it does happen to people. I mean, this, if this makes you feel more normal, I hope it does. Well, the, there's that woman, isn't there, in America called Yellow Runner? Yeah. Maybe you can be called Brown Runner. Yeah, I don't really like that name. <laughs> I prefer, like, Mazzy Runner or something. More appropriate. No. Okay, we digress. We do. Uh, what was the? I know you mentioned, didn't you? I think one of the things you said was um, you entered the pain cave and they locked the locked the door, locked the key. I'm sorry, locked the door and threw away the key. Was uh, I think you quote was what was the worst point of pain? The the cramp at twenty eight k. Was it? I think it was almost so shocking. What cramp where? So. It was like I had electric shock. I thought, I thought, I didn't know what I thought had happened. I've never felt pain like it. It went down my quad, down my leg, calf, hamstring. So my leg was kind of like out and I was like, whoa. So I stopped running and tried to shake it. You don't shake cramp. It doesn't do anything. Yeah. But I didn't have time to stretch my quad, stretch my calf, stretch my hamstring, have a whole stretching session. So I just carried on and the cramp didn't leave until the end of the race. And... My legs were dead at like 35k. So 35k to the finish was the was the was awful. As in, I was running except the hills, and I I get. Do you know what's awful? I gave up. I was looking at my watch, and like I don't know what time had passed, and I just thought I could just stop. And I I'm not that type of person really. I don't think that's the type of, type of person. I think that's often a little devil angel thing. There's different thoughts that come through your head. And like one is giving you, is giving you an ultimatum. If you could stop, you could take the easy way out. You could throw in the towel. You could feel good. You could go home and be warm, be nice. Or you could suck it up and you can run through the pain and the wet and the hard. And you can oh. you can finish it off and feel good in the other two decisions. I don't think it's you saying that to yourself. I think it's your brain giving you your choices and a lot of the time it's looking for the easy way out and you've got to tell your brain no we're we're gonna suck up we're gonna do the thing oh no yeah there was no way that i wasn't finishing it like no way i wasn't finishing it but i clocked on to my watch so i hadn't i hadn't when i got cramped 28k i was like okay we're just gonna finish i'm not even gonna look we're just gonna run and then when i saw what time i was on i wanted to give up because i was like i'm literally like three minutes off pace like three minutes off. And it it just kind of knocked me because I was on pace until literally like the last 7K. And then I did go into the pain cave. They locked the door this, and yeah. then threw away the key. And I 
yeah, I was never actually physically going to not finish the race. I was always going to carry on, but it was shocking. The pain that I felt mm. in my legs and my left leg, it was it, honestly, there was a point I crouched down on the floor and I just cried. And I, I was like, you fucking idiot. And do you know what? That was really sad. I saw Megan Lauren, didn't I? Like mm -hmm. 36K or I had three miles to go. I don't know yeah. what that is, miles to kilometer. And I ran to Megan and she had a massive thing of water and I just chucked it over me. And I ran past her and said, I've disappointed everyone. And why, she was like, no, you're not. There's just a lot of expectation on me all the time. I think you no, put that you say this. Yourself. You don't get the messages that I get. You don't get the people saying to me, "You're gonna do a three-hour marathon." Those things stick in your head. And from my training, yeah, I should have done like a, a three eleven, a three eight marathon. So when I was on for like a three eighteen, because it was like three nineteen zero, I said to Meg, "I was like, I've disappointed everyone," and she was like, "No, you've not." Yeah, I put a lot of pressure on myself because I think that's a good pressures can be good. Pressure when is I, privilege. When I said that to Megan, she was like, You've not disappointed anyone. And that's all I needed to hear to finish. And then Lauren just gave me loads of like barbecue crisps because that all they had. And I was like, What? It's just mm. absolutely disgusting. Let's just talk about that for a minute, though, in terms of the pressure and the people's expectations of you. It, it's good that people have high expectations of you. Obviously, yes, it does come with pressure. And I, I do like that quote that Seabum uses often, which is pressure is a privilege. The fact that you're in that position to feel pressure is privilege. You're privileged to be in that position where people expect high things of you. People have high standards. People hold you to high standards rather than thinking, oh yeah, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. It does, it does matter. Like you, you're, you're pushing for high numbers and there is expectation. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, the only expectation I have of you is that you just do your best. And as long as you do your best and give it your all on that platform that you have that time, that's that's all you can ask for. You can't ask for anything else. Everything else is a, a learning curve. And when you get to that point of 28K or 30K or whatever it is, and you have that message, that voice in the back of your head that's giving you those two ultimatums and you think I'm three minutes off pace, it's sticking to a plan or the plan when the plan isn't going to plan. And that's the thing you've got to try and do is just keep fucking moving like we spoke about a lot of times can you take one more step and you keep moving because you're not you're not always going to feel that bad in a couple of k like we know with these long distance things or which has been well mental health day yesterday there's going to be days where you feel down and shit about things but if you keep moving you can pull th through those hard dark wet times and that's what i think those long races teaches you teach you a lot about and there'll be a lot of learning curves that i think that you'll have taken away from the race where things haven't gone to plan that you'll be able to utilize when things get hard again. Because I think once you've been put through a pain uh, and if you reach the pain cave, next time it hits you, it's not going to feel anywhere near as intense. Yeah, I'd also, I just wouldn't go out like I went out. I think it would have been a quite a different race if I hadn't done that because never have I felt lactic acid like that. Never have I <laughs> had cramp that severe before. Um, and yeah, I think doing a marathon is one of, the most amazing things you can do. I think it's a very, very hard race. I can't wait to do more. But yeah, it's something that you just gotta. What do you think the biggest control. thing you'll take away from the whole experience? What you, what have you learned? Don't go out like an absolute idiot. <laughs> That's what I learned. Absolutely. My new, my gels were fine. 
my salts were fine, my mini cheddars were fine, my what all that was fine, like race day nutrition. The way that I went out, I just shouldn't have. I was so excited. I think I'd been waiting so long to do this freaking marathon. And the fact that I felt as good as I did in the first half, I I just wish I'd knocked it back just like a tiny, tiny little bit. I feel like it's just a it, tiny it, bit. Whenever I've heard you talk about it, it's been spoken about quite negative. Like, like the whole thing to run a three hour 19 marathon for your first marathon, by the way, is like unheard of. You know, Strava says 318.33. Okay, well, 318.33. <laughs> But the, the whole, you, you sometimes you've got to ha- have a bit of gratitude for yourself and the performance that you actually put in, the time that you've actually got, even if it isn't what you expected, it's fucking phenomenal, phenomenal time. Yeah, I don't, I think it's really hard because I never shared a time with anyone. Yeah, you beat my time by 10 minutes on a way harder course, by the way. Yeah, I know. I didn't, I didn't share my time with anyone. So I kind of had an expectation in my head of just like the splits that I was training at. So if you train at a 4.30, which mm-hmm. I did for seven months, absolutely fine. Um, that's like a 3.11, 3.8. So that's maybe what I thought I could, or 3.15, I don't know. That's maybe what I thought I could hit. So it wasn't, oh, I'm going to hit it. I think I said to Steph, anything sub 3.20, I'll be really happy. And yeah, that, and that's, that's what, what I got. did. So that's absolutely fine. I think it's just weird that I was training at this pace and everything was fine for seven months. And then race day, it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. these, this leg pain, these, these unforeseen circumstances of the hills I hadn't trained for. So yeah, it's not, it's not that I'm not happy. I'm literally so happy with it and I can't wait to do more. I know Lanzarote will, <laughs> I don't even know how Lanzarote is going to go. It's six days after Nepal. It's double the elevation of Chester. Enjoy it. Yeah. I think it's just going to be like a hard, hard, a hard hilly, marathon, yeah. hard, hilly, coastal, hot as fuck marathon. I think you've got to, with that one, you've got to enjoy the journey, enjoy mm. the pain. It's not going to be slower. It's not going to be, it's not going to be a quick marathon. No. It's not going to be one filled with glory. It's going to be one filled with different obstacles, different pain. pains, heat, sand in your eyes, I hills, wouldn't... elevation, all of it. I wonder if it would be as painful as Chester though, because now I know what I learned from Chester. Would it be as painful? Depends how you go out, doesn't it? Depends. It depends on the day. There's a lot of things can, that can change. I just, I just say with that one, go out and enjoy it. But what, what do you think you'll? Maybe not the Lanzarote one, but what do you think you'll take, or what do you think you'll change for the next one in terms of prep? Yeah, in terms of prep for the next marathon. So I really want to do Manchester Marathon, which is April. Mm-hmm. Don't know if I'll do it yet. We are, it's not unheard of that mean, but I want to try for a kid. So I'm going to, I've like applied and like booked on to see if I can do it. And I'm going to get a coach. I'm absolutely going to get a coach yeah, to train me for, train me for a 315, 310 marathon, like whatever it will be. I just, I don't want, I need someone else. I'm very like resilient and disciplined. I didn't miss a single run. It was all very... I just want someone to be like, okay, you've got this today. Okay, let me give you this quote. I think so it, I don't have to train myself. I think this will resonate with people of why it doesn't matter what level you're at, of why you will need a coach. And there's a reason why people like Nick Bear and whoever else have had coaches for the last however many years when they're doing uh, marathons and whatever else there is. So this will, I think, resonate with you and probably resonate with a lot of our listeners. If you're thinking, oh, I'm quite good at this, I don't need a coach. Athletes can feel, but can't see. Coaches can see, 
but can't feel. Love that. Yeah. Athletes can feel, but can't see. Coaches can see, but can't feel. Yeah. That's literally what it is. I need to just take away the mental capacity that it took me to prep myself for my first marathon. I want someone else to do that for me. I want to pay someone to write my program, tell me what splits to run at. I mean, I need someone really particular because I'm going to be like, I will be weight training alongside of this. So I need to find a coach who's very on board with that. And I know I'll find someone because I just, I want the accountability. Well, it's it's that, what I was speaking about, that quote there, there's a, that's why the relationship between coach and person is so important because sometimes you need to take those feelings and emotion out of it. You need to take the, I don't know, today your coach is going to push you and tell you to do it otherwise or mm. you could be like i feel great today but whoa lucy you need to pull back a little bit today because we've got this part of our training block and at the same time the coach might be like ready to push you on a real intense training session but you know what you really feel something in your hamstring or there's part of your body that's niggling that's a that's a, why it's a two-way street in a relationship that needs to be built and what the positives are from having a coach and i think that is a real powerful quote into even doesn't matter what level you're at coaches can be super beneficial for your journey and growth yeah, I don't know why I didn't really get one for this marathon. I don't think I think it's good that you did one without. I think it's good to experience you doing your own. And by all means, by the way, you are more than capable of prepping yourself for a marathon. More than capable. Um, Who me personally? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, I, yeah. I think it's because I prep for my ultra. Great, fantastic. I was like, I'll just prep for the marathon. Great, fantastic. And it was fucking great. I'm really, really happy with everything. And I, it's hard to say like, oh, would a <laughs> If I had a coach, would that have changed? No, I just didn't. I didn't. I didn't train on any hills for a hilly marathon. Who does that? Do you think you maybe felt like the marathon was a little bit not beneath you, but like at some point you go, "May I run a hundred k? What's forty? Yeah, well, that's be? yeah, that's what I thought my thing would be. Yeah. I think you thought, I thought my arsenal would be. I think people were telling you that, but you were very aware that a marathon's different to an ultra because people were messaging yeah. like, "You've done an ultra, so marathon's going to be easy." I honestly think. And I've never done an ultra, but just speaking from people and speaking to people I spoke to at the Ironman of the weekend, a lot of people you speak to who've done both will say a marathon is harder mm-hmm. and train, training for a marathon is harder because you can't just go out for a plod and put miles through your legs. You've got to show up on those days and put intense blocks of running and intense intervals and people don't like doing intervals. And that's why you feel smashed after it. I couldn't even walk for five, five days after mine. Do you know what I think it is as well? With the 100K, I just wanted to finish and complete it. Mm-hmm. As, as in, that's it's really out of you, you literally no idea. With the marathon, I wanted to race hard. Like, like really what were you most grip my for? teeth in. I was quite chill before the marathon, wasn't I? I think the 100K, I was really... I was also very chill, but I was quite quiet before the 100K. I was, I was, I was quite calm. For... Yeah, so back to what Cal so said. So I was more nervous for back the Back to what Cal said then as well about... The way that you feel about the race, I think you're always going to feel a level of confidence from coming into the marathon because when to have confidence to do anything, you need to have evidence. You'd had evidence of doing a race or something before. Whenever you build up block after block after block after block of evidence, you build confidence. I think it goes back to, I think it's the Hormozy quote he says about believing that your confidence without the bank of evidence is just delusional you can't yeah. expect to turn off for something confident when you've got no experience in doing something before so the fact that you people who do marathon after marathon after marathon build up 
experience, evidence, failures, and all that kind of is saved into that bank, which then becomes confidence. Yeah, no, it does absolutely. And I think I was also so confident though because of my training block. Yeah. Like I'd done it. I'd done 30, 32K at marathon pace and then it's only 10 to go. And the, it just didn't happen like that on race day because I didn't I didn't do any hills. That's on me and that's absolutely fine. Um, but I'm, it makes me, the fact I've done that for my first one, it makes me so excited to see what I'm capable of. Like it's not, it's that's not good. like, oh, I never want to do another marathon. I'm like, book me in every single city to do a marathon. Yeah. I want to do Berlin. I want to do New York, Boston. I want to do all of them. Like that's, that would be incredible. And then just do, just do loads, do more ultras, do more lifting, do a little bit of everything. I know we're uh, potentially drawing to the close here, guys, but I just wanted to ask Luce, do you think it's possible that actually a lot of the positive comments, I think you're having been on social media for so long now, like a negative comment, if someone says, oh, you're going to do shit, you're not going to run this marathon, you're going to fail. I feel like that's just water off a duck's back at this point. You're like, no, I've got a bank of evidence. I know I'm going to smash the marathon. Fuck that. Whereas actually, I think some of the positive comments, which are super well-meaning from people, actually might affect you more negatively, if that makes sense. Pressure, yeah. Like if someone says, yeah. oh, you're going to run a three-hour marathon. That's a really yeah. positive comment, but it's going to affect you really negatively. They literally do. And like on Strava as well, because I've got a lot of people who follow me on Strava and they see all the runs and like, oh, you're going for a three-hour marathon. I'm like, wait, wait, like, no, but also don't say that to me because I'm not there yet. That's One hard. day. Because look at people, what are people's intentions when they're saying that? Yeah, that's what Kyle just said, really yeah. positive, really lovely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I've also not voiced what I'm going for. The reason I've not shared it with anyone is because it's my own personal goal. I just want to run the marathon. It was sub 320, but I didn't tell anyone except my close friends. And it is people have really good intentions, but then they don't realize how much pressure they put on people. Like, yes, one day the goal will be, I will categorically do a three hour marathon. It's in my bones. I can feel it. I've, yeah. I could do that. I absolutely know I could maybe like Berlin, which is like flat. Um, but when people were saying it, I just thought it would also like pricked up my ears. I was like, Oh, like, could I, mm -hmm. should I be doing that? Like, am I? So yeah, I think it can be, a little bit hard. It's not that's not no, it's not people's fault. Yeah. It's just it's the intentions that are behind it, I think, is the main thing. And then I get what you mean, and this is where it can become really difficult with pressure. The, the other side that I view it from is like it's actually really great that people have those standards set so high for you because some people don't have anyone around them who sets standards high for them. Mm. It's good that people will call you out on things or call each other out on things and we, we get to keep each other to these high standards because a lot of people don't get them set by anyone. Yeah. And it can be uh, really difficult. And setting standards, I think it's really worth just uh, a note of appreciation and also a massive well done to Nutty Foodie Fitness, Steph, because the weekend before we were in Barcelona and she completed her first Ironman. Not only did she complete it, she absolutely smashed it, I think, in a time of 11... 11 hours 40. Sorry, Steph, we got it wrong. But I think it's 11.46. She... Nailed it she is incredible i've got so much admiration for staff when she was doing that race because she was smiling and she was actually having a great time like she really really loved it yeah she 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 was like the newbie and she just like blew it out of the water i think it's so great going to events like that and seeing seeing things like that and seeing women do things like that because uh, again, even if you look at the split from the weekend, uh, there's way more men doing the marathon. Oh God, yeah. There's way more men doing the Ironman. It's great that you two are both in those spaces 
carrying the torch for women to do do more of those. Uh, it was like the post that I put up two days ago, but more strong women doing those kind of things. And after we came back from the Ironman, I was so motivated after watching Steph. I was going through my training thinking, fucking Steph's just done an Ironman. I can do this session like harder. I can push up harder. Like the, the morning that you were doing the marathon, I got up at 5.30 a.m. and I went on the ski egg for, for 7K. And I was like, I can do this. Lucy's about to do a marathon. Like the, the pain that she's going to endure is way more. And I was also thinking in my head that I can just harness all the energy that I've got this morning into this machine. I'll go to Lucy to do the race, which is a funny chain of thought. And it just it's really motivating to see you two do those things uh, in those spaces, turning up, accomplishing them and showing other people what's possible. I think it's really really motivating for everyone and on a on a whole is a net positive for the fitness space thanks do you know what you said about pain then and how you, with like because <laughs> i was just thinking about this you know with distance running you do go up and down i didn't and i was waiting to come back up after 28k and i never came back up and i think that was also but i've never experienced you know when i say i've never experienced pain like it I almost shocked myself. You know, when I was running, I was like, this isn't normal. Like, I might be dying. Like, this is... You are a hypochondriac as well, though. I am that also, which doesn't help. But there was no point in the 100K where I was like, I'm physically going to die. Like, I'm actually going to die. Mm. This is going to kill me. I could push through and I had peaks and troughs. Like, the last K of my 100K, I was running. I was great. The marathon, it never came back up. But and that was almost shocking yeah. to me because I was like, what? I kept I kept waiting because I was like, peaks and troughs, peaks and troughs. I live off that. I'm like, peaks and troughs, peaks. Training, yeah. And I just stayed down. But again, I think that's a great thing for me to have experienced the level of pain that I did in that marathon and still finish and was still running. But at a certain point, you stopped running on glycogen as well. And this is why I was asking you before whether it's worth like looking at your carbon intake pre-race because you, like one of the big things is that people stop utilizing glycogen in those races because the the, the carb depleted. So again, yeah, it's about I looking at that and maybe measure, measuring it out and that's what can happen. The um the thing I think it's taught me from looking, especially Steph's Ironman, I think she was so over-prepared for that event that when she turned up for the race day, it was just easy. Mm. Um, I think that's one thing to take away from your training blocks. If you've got events coming up, if you're doing a high rocks event, all the work's on the training, all the work's on the 12 weeks, put yourself through hell in those 12 weeks and you show up on the race day confident in what you're going to do. And I think that's what it's taught me in preparing for the high rocks in January is that I'm, I'm, I'm really going to go to town now on my training block mm. so that I can turn up on the day and, and just be confident in what I'm going to deliver. Yeah. I think that is actually really important. The training is harder than the race. Should be. Should be. Mine wasn't. It really wasn't. That honestly, the marathon's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. But then again, saying that, when I got back from some runs, didn't I? And I was like, impossible. You put in hard. As in, like, hard I'm not. Work. Yeah. Yeah, it work. is true. Like, if you train hard, you should, should feel a little bit better on race day. Indeed. So, thank you for everyone for listening to this week's episode. Don't forget, if you want to join in for the Winter 56 Challenge and change your daily habits, change your choices to become a better version of you if you're not happy with the life that you're living at the moment it's not just about losing weight it's not just about getting stronger it's not just about getting fitter it's about changing the way that you live it's about changing the way that you wake up tomorrow so the link will be in the description or the bio wherever it is currently we're in early bed so it's 50 percent off the first month of the challenge so get involved
Thank you so much for listening to that podcast. Hopefully it's a little bit inspirational for you as well. And as Ben said, you can get 50% off with the code winter50 for our next challenge. We'll be doing it. It's amazing. The community is just such a fantastic place to be and to be a part of. And we will catch you in next week's episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Oh. I really like that quote about the coaching thing.